Welcome to episode 115 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, I'm back from the Outdoor Retailer Show in Salt Lake City with weird and wonderful tales of what I saw. Next, today's Summit Gear Review features a buttery, soft, ultra-strong, and ultralight hammock. For today's Backpack Hack of the Week, you knew that a hammock had to do more than just rock you to sleep, and will confirm your suspicion with today's hack. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from a guy who has some wise insight about backpacking. All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. A couple of weeks ago, Heather went to the Outdoor Retailer Show. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard of it, it's uh, located in Salt Lake City, happens twice a year, and it's where all the gear manufacturers for the outdoor industry come together to show off you know, what's in development, their latest things that they're working on, and outdoor retailers come to source those products, to buy them, you know, and make deals for uh, what they're going to carry in stores or you know, whatever kind of retail they do. Well, in addition to manufacturers and retailers, there's also a category of people called working media. And so Heather goes as working media. And as a podcast host, she gets to walk around the show floor and just learn about all the things that the manufacturers are working on. And since you've been back, the two of us have had a few minutes to talk about the show and what you saw there, your impressions, and thought it would be good to share with everyone who's listening. Oh, definitely. I mean, just walking around the show floor, there is this energy that is just exciting because everyone wants to get outdoors and yet we're all kind of stuck indoors for three days but we're all talking about our adventures we're talking about the latest gear innovations and there were things that amazed me there there were some head scratchers there um, and there's definitely some really great gear that's coming out in 2017 Okay, so share one of the head scratchers. Okay, well, one of the head scratchers was a product called Pickle Juice. It was pickle juice, but they marketed it as an electrolyte drink. And so you're thinking, okay, this is going to taste like Gatorade. They call it pickle juice, but it's, it's going to have like a good flavor. It tasted like pickle juice. And <laughs> I drank a quarter cup of it and was kind of done for the day. That was my daily recommended value, whatever the government calls it, of pickle juice. And I don't know if I'll do that again, but yeah, <laughs> it was interesting. It was definitely kind of one of those hmm, moments. There were some things that amazed me, which I'm really excited about. Ibex, which is a brand of wool outdoor clothing, is coming out with a brand new shell. Um, it's like a waterproof jacket and it will be 100% merino wool. So this thing is incredible. The fabric is so tightly woven that it repels water. Um, another thing that I saw that I was really excited about is the new Vibram Arctic Grip Wet Ice Technology that's like a sole. It's not exactly new. There's a brand that's been using this sole that Vibram's created. 
but they've had a one-year exclusive on that. And so no other brand of shoe has been able to use this Vibram Arctic Grip sole on their shoes. Now you're going to start to see this incredible sole and it actually grips wet ice. So it's that classic Vibram sole or lug, I guess is what you'd call it, that already grips wet rock really well. But if you have any spots of the trail that are wet ice, it's going to grip that incredibly well. Ah, that would have been useful back in December. We took our kids out to put out some flyers for uh, a youth fundraiser. And you insisted that our daughter wear your your Loa hiking boots that have the Vibram soles. Right. Instead of her little flats that are, you know, almost nothing. Right. She was going to wear her Keds. And I said, you can't go out in those. Wear these shoes that have Vibram soles because they'll grip. She was wishing she had those Keds, those those really thin shoes that had sort of a, almost like a fabric-y sole mm. that probably would have just stuck right to the ice, you know, and would have had great grip on that icy, snowy day. But she was stuck slipping around with those uh, ultra-grippy Vibram soles. Ultra-grippy on rock, not on not ice, ice at all. But the new Vibram Arctic Grip is going to do incredible things on your icy trips. That's cool. Yeah. Um, another thing that I saw that I was really excited about that isn't exactly a new product, um, but they're coming out with things that are more relevant to backpackers, so that was what got me all excited, was the Tensile Three Tree Hammock. So Tensile is a brand that does these three tree platforms. So it's like a hammock, except it's flat. Anyway, they've been lightening up and paring down and making their gear. So it's actually relevant to backpackers and not as heavy. So if you want that off the ground experience, but you don't want to stay in a hammock, Tensile has some options. That's cool. It's fun to look at their marketing. They have these uh, beautiful pictures of these tents that are suspended between trees with maybe a body of water underneath. Yeah. And you think, wow, you know, and the canoe is sitting down there right below the tent uh, floating in the water. And you just think, how did they set that up <laughs> without getting themselves soaked? But it looks amazing. <laughs> it looks like they had a fun time setting it up. Yeah. For sure. Another thing I saw that amazed me at the show, but this maybe falls into the too good to be true category, maybe, is Fortress Clothing. It's a single layer of insulation and they claim that it has a comfort range of zero to 70 degrees. So it has this kind of squishy engineered polymer in between the breathable lining that's touching your skin or touching your clothing and then the outer lining. And the moisture is just supposed to evaporate out and the polymer is supposed to keep the heat in. And the videos that I've seen on their website are incredible. They have people jumping into like bodies of water in Canada, you know, where it's super freezing cold and they come out of the water and within seconds they're warm again. And this is actually a company that we'll talk about in the top five list because they are part of one of the trends that I saw happening at OR this year. And I think the Gear of the Year award goes to Catula Microspikes. Catula is a brand that does these um, these spikes that you can attach onto the bottom of your boots or your running shoes. And so it makes it so you don't slip on ice. Well, when I came back to the Portland airport from Salt Lake City, the entire economy parking lot outside was covered with an inch of ice. I mean, that would not be exaggerating. The cars were covered in ice and snow. And just to get from 
the little bus drop-off station to my car, I was like, I've got to put on these micro spikes and test them out. So Catula saved the day. Yeah, Portland's had a rough go at the winter weather this year. Yeah, we don't do winter very well. We kind of... No, I mean, there's no salt and there's only a little bit of sand to go around. (laughs) You know what I want, though, is the Catula micro spikes for my car wheels, the tires. That would have been so helpful on the drive home. I was going nine miles an hour and the roads were completely iced over. It was ridiculous. Yeah, even I-5, the major... Freeway that goes up and down the West yeah, Coast. The main road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, so Crazy. Portland's response to winter <laughs> weather <laughs> leaves a little to be desired. But yeah. great show, great stuff that you saw there. It's always, I think, fun for you to um, to just see what people are coming up with in, in new ideas. And when we sent you off to OR, I I know we kind of. Uh, talked for a little bit about what do you expect to see there this year and what are the things that you want to look for? And of course, we reached out to listeners on Facebook and Twitter to say, hey, what do you want Heather to look for? And But we kind of had some conversations, you know, and some certain things that that you went kind of looking for at OR. So for today's top five list, you've put together, I guess, the kind of the themes or or observations that you had that kind of bubbled up to the top over that week at OR. Yeah, definitely. And I want to jump right in with number one. This is the number one thing that I noticed at OR this winter. I'm going to call it the insulation revolution. Yeah, not to be all hypey about it, but there are going to be huge leaps in insulation coming this year. You know how synthetic insulation used to be heavy and bulky and more like quilt batting than um, than loose down. Well, now there's this new insulation by Primaloft or Primaloft. I heard it both ways at the show. (laughs) This new insulation that they're coming out with is blown insulation, which means that it will be nearly indistinguishable from down. The only thing that will be different is this new blown insulation by Primaloft won't have the spines the down has. And we all know what spines do. They poke through our gear and then the down kind of comes out and ends up all over our other gear. But this new insulation, it's called Primaloft Thermoplume. And it's just one of the new insulations that Primaloft is coming out with this year. At this point, it's only offered in 550 fill power, but I think as they add it to more products, they're going to have those levels like Primaloft does. They have like, you know, their different levels of Primaloft. And I think we'll start to see Thermoplume in higher and higher grades. At this current time, the cost of down is kind of in a low compared to where it's been, you know, it goes up and down quite a bit. And right now it's kind of in a low, but Nobody knows when it could just shoot right back up as it's done in the past. So this is a really good time for Primaloft to come in and really perfect this synthetic alternative that, like you say, is is blown in instead of the batting kind of style, which means if the price of down goes up, manufacturers can immediately retool. Well, not even retool. They don't have to retool. That's the awesome thing. Just immediately switch over to yes. using the Primaloft uh, thermoplume instead of down. Right. Um, There were some other really cool insulation options that I saw at the show, too. And some of these aren't new, but I think it just shows you that people are thinking, they're trying to think of the best insulation to keep people warm and dry and safe. 
I saw a company that was blending wool and down, another company blending down and Primaloft, and another trend that I saw in insulation was the use of post-consumer recycled content. And Primaloft in particular is trying to use a lot more post-consumer recycled content, so like those water bottles and the lids and things, in their products. The second thing that I saw at the outdoor retailer winter market was that scouting is back and stronger than ever. The BSA is a huge supporter of the outdoors and many people, I think when they look back at what kind of got them into the outdoors or even, you know, some of their happiest memories as youth were, they look back and they see that the Boy Scouts was really a huge part of what influenced them, influenced them to get outside and have those great outdoor experiences. Um, So it was interesting at the show, you know, you have to wear this special badge and um, it has a lanyard on it. And typically different companies sponsor the lanyards. Well, this year it was all BSA lanyards. And depending on your involvement with scouting, you got a different colored lanyard. So it was just fun to see all of the Eagle Scouts on the show floor because they had a white lanyard and then to see all of the people who had been involved in scouting somehow they had a different color lanyard and then the few that didn't really have any connection with scouting but it was just a really eye-opening visual to see how many people had been affected by the boy scouts of america speaking of the boy scouts uh we haven't told anyone yet we're taking a trip to philmont this summer The two of us will be attending some training at the training center at Philmont. I guess I haven't explained. Philmont is a scout ranch in New Mexico. It's a huge area where uh, the BSA puts on all kinds of training, and they also put on wilderness treks and experiences like that for scouts to go be involved in. So we get to go and participate in training. Our two youngest kids uh, will have some programs for them uh, there around the training center. And our two oldest kids get to head out on a wilderness trek experience. And so I think they'll cover 20 or 30 miles over the course of the week that we're there, uh, just out in the mountains in northern New Mexico. So we're really excited about that. We already know that one of our listeners, Colin, is going to be there. He'll be a ranger all summer. So we're excited to meet up with him. And we wonder who else might be there this summer. Yeah. Well, the Boy Scouts have had a huge positive impact on youth and getting them outdoors and getting them to have great outdoor experiences. And I know they've taken a hit, you know, like in the past five to 10 years, it was kind of rough for a while, but I think they're really beyond that now and looking forward. And it's just great to see that there's so much support out there for such an important program to America's youth. The number three thing that I saw at the outdoor retailer winter market was that people are tired of smelling bad on the trail. (laughs) So kind of this, I mean, I guess if we can have an insulation revolution, we're going to have an anti-stink revolution too. So this idea of controlling your odor or um, using materials or fabrics that are embedded with some kind of odor control technology, wool was huge at this year's Outdoor Retailer Winter Market. Um, There was a product there that was kind of interesting. It was called Polygene Odor Control Technology. Polygene sounds like a name from 
<laughs> from the 50s or something. <laughs> Polly Jean. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it sounded like, uh, you know, some genetic thing, multiple genes, like some oh. kind of syndrome or something. I... Sounds like a character from Little House on the Prairie. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so this odor control technology, it's a treatment that uses silver salt that stops the growth of this stinky bacteria. Wool, like I said, was huge. And lots of the exhibitors who were showing wool products really called out the anti-stink feature of wool. The number four thing that I saw at the outdoor retailer winter market was, I don't know what the technical term for this is, but market crossing, where I'd see something new and I'd talk to the exhibitor and they'd say, well, we've done really well with sportsmen or with the military or with guys that are working out in the the fracking fields or the construction industry. Now we're trying to tap into a new market and that's the outdoorists. So for example, the fortress clothing that I talked about in the opening, that's single layer insulation with that comfort range of zero to 70 degrees, that engineered polymer filling. That's been used for years in the construction industry, fracking, logging industry, and it's just now making it out to us normal people who want to use it for maybe hiking in the woods. So another way to put it is these are companies who are new to backpacking. Right, exactly. Like they've figured out, oh, this stuff is used by people who spend a lot of time outdoors. Oh, and backpackers also spend a lot of time outdoors. Maybe they would like to use this too. So it's been fun to see people, you know, the light bulb go on and they realize that this really relevant gear can be used by us. And the last thing I noticed at the OR Winter Market was something that I noticed because of a question that Josh asked me before I left for the show. Yeah, I was curious just with the current mood, I guess, is maybe the best way to put it. The political environment in America right now is kind of... Turbulent. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had an election with unexpected results. We just had the inauguration last week. And this is a big change in the politics of America right now, at least at the national level. And so I was curious how it was affecting companies because my sense is that it's had a huge impact on many of the nonprofits, the advocacy groups who are advocating for access to the outdoors or for protection of the outdoor environments. And I wondered if that impact on those nonprofits and advocacy groups was also being felt by people who are in companies. You know, they're running manufacturing operations and selling products. And I don't know how closely those all connect to each other. Yeah, I was curious about the mood, you know, like how are people responding to the political climate in context of the outdoors? The feel that I got at the show was that, yeah, we may not be able to agree on healthcare or energy or even what bumper sticker to put on the back of our car, but the outdoors is where all of that disappears and that going outside is going to be our nation's healing salve. It's going to be the place where we can come together and, you know, we leave our cars at the trailhead in the parking lot. And who cares what bumper sticker you have on your car? We're all outside. We're all enjoying the beauty that's around us. And I think that's going to be very healing for our country. 
And along with that, it seems like the outdoors as an industry and as a, a you know, a point of interest and, and hobbies and everything is kind of growing up right now and becoming more visible, more acknowledged, um, even, you know, within our economy, within the politics and everything. Um, for example, there's a, an act passed by Congress just, a, I think, a couple months ago that uh, changes the way that economics are tracked, you know, in the gross domestic product, when they track all of that breakdown and they say, well, healthcare contributes this much to the GDP and tourism contributes this much and transportation and so on. And outdoors or the outdoor industry or something like that is going to be recognized as its own category contributing to the economic health of the nation. And there's some things like that going on that are kind of interesting to watch just to see that the outdoors is really, it, it's that important. People are really discovering how cool it is to go backpacking, to go in the outdoors, to be out there in the wilderness and, and just to, to discover the impact that it has on their lives. Yeah, and the stuff you're talking about is all at a federal level. We had the opportunity this past election to vote at the state level on providing outdoor education in Oregon. That was really cool to be a part of that and say, this is an important part of education, of, you know, learning. There's so many things that you can learn outdoors that aren't as fun to learn indoors. Well, the show was great. I'm really glad that I got to go. There's lots that's going to be happening this year. New products will come out. Um, I think one of the kind of frustrating parts of OR is you see this great gear and then they tell you, oh, it's not coming out till third quarter of 2017. And yeah. so you're like, oh, come on, come on. Yeah, it's like you've got it right there. I know. But they have to set up manufacturing and, mm -hmm. you know, they may just be showing you a prototype. Right. And they've got to get that whole supply chain in place before they can do it. Yeah. So great things are coming in 2017. No matter how the election turned out for you, <laughs> you can be positive, you can be happy and look forward to look forward to a great year. Cool. Thanks for that report. For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing the Kamek Wallaby Hammock with Python straps. Kamek is a relatively new outdoor gear company, and they have a really unique kind of slant to their products. They've really tried to focus on biomimicry. You know what biomimicry hmm. is? So being like nature? Yeah. And it's not just like all their stuff is plant green. They really try and like dig into what makes a fill-in-the-blank animal so effective at this fill-in-the-blank task. So does this hammock somehow mimic some feature of a wallaby? Yeah, I think so. You know how a wallaby can hold stuff in a pouch? Yeah. Okay, I think that's what it is. Okay. And maybe there's other little things in there too that we don't even know about yet. But the wallaby is an ultra-portable ultralight hammock. So it's 40 denier ripstop nylon, super strong. But the really, I guess, standout feature on this hammock is the silky gravitas fabric that they use. It's just like, it feels like no other hammock. As far as utility goes, it is very strong. It can hold 400 pounds or 181 kilograms. It comes with a couple 13 kilonewton carabiners. Josh, do you know anything about kilonewtons? Uh, it's a thousand newtons. You wanted more than that? Yes, please. <laughs> well, it's a measure of force. 
So like if you're pulling on something or you're pushing on something, it's measuring that force. And like when you step onto a scale and it tells you how many pounds you are, really it's measuring the force of your body pushing against the scale as it responds to the gravity of the earth, right? And so if you were to take that same scale up to the moon and stand on it, it would say that you weigh less even though you don't because actually it's measuring force. You know, it's not really measuring your mass. Right. And, and in order to get that mass, you would have to have one of those scales that has like 150 pounds of lead on one tray and then you on the other side. Yeah. So it would compare the force using a balance approach. Yeah. And oh, that would okay. do it. Um, but anyway, for hammocks, uh, you know, 13 kilonewtons is a whole bunch of force. It's like having... Uh, 2,900 pounds of something hanging on a strap. So these carabiners will hold a force of 2,900 pounds. And you think, well, I'm never going to have 2,900 pounds in my hammock. And that's true. But you have to also remember that 2,900 pounds hanging straight down from something is different than if you were to hang it at an angle. So when you put weight on a hammock between two trees... Kind of imagine if the two trees are almost next to each other and the weight is way down there, so the straps are just coming down almost parallel to each other, then the weight is distributed half and half on each strap, and so therefore half and half on each carabiner that's connecting the hammock to the strap. So you might have 100 pounds hanging there and it's 50 pounds on each strap. Well, then imagine you start pulling those trees apart from each other so your hammock is coming up you know, to where maybe the straps are at a 45 degree angle or even more taut than that. And say you want to get your hammock close to perfectly straight, like those straps are just going straight from one tree to the other. Well, to get them perfectly straight, at that point, basically, you have to have infinite force pulling those trees apart from each other. I mean, you get to a point of infinity. We never really get there. You know, we have a little bit of sag in the strap. But the point is that the amount of force increases as you pull those trees apart and your hammock hangs more close to, um, you know, so the straps are more close to horizontal than, than pointing downward. So, yeah, you may only weigh a couple hundred pounds or whatever, but you need some carabiners that can hold that extra weight. Plus, when you're jumping into your hammock, that, you know, that's a, an extra shock of force because it's not just your weight, it's your weight plus the momentum of your body coming into the hammock. Yeah, I'm still surprised we haven't snapped a hammock in half. Like, well, not us personally, but, yeah, but our kids. people we're related <laughs> to, they just jump in and yeah, it's wild. <laughs> they have wrenched a carabiner from a different yes. brand and kind of wrenched it out of shape from all the whatever they were doing. They were doing 360s. That's where you jump in and then you flip it upside down and then you flip it around again. Yeah, you can imagine all the extra <laughs> force that happens. You know, you get that uh, centrifugal force going yep. on. And... Well, this hammock has six points of gear loops, which I haven't seen on a lot of other hammocks, but it just makes sense. Gear loops, tabs, people, they're the best. You're a fan of tabs, <laughs> yes. Yes, because you can just hang things on them. It's really convenient. So I'm really glad that there are six of these points that um, can be used to hang gear. That means you don't necessarily need a gear loft or a, a line above your hammock to hang things on. You can hang it right off of the hammock. As far as mass goes, this hammock weighs 10 ounces, and its packed size is 3.5 inches by 4.5 inches. So it's kind of like an oblong ball. 
and that 10 ounce weight is just for the hammock plus the two carabiners to attach it to the straps. So then you bring straps along, those are an extra 12 ounces if you get the ones that we're going to talk about in a minute um, from Kamek. So then you're up to 22 ounces total. Just for comparison, we reviewed the Hummingbird Single Plus Hammock back in episode 96. Hummingbird really is the one that is going for ultra light, no frills. Like the whole goal is to be super light. That hammock comes in at seven and a half ounces, and then the straps only add another two ounces. So you're under 10 ounces hammock plus straps with the Hummingbird Hammock. You know, again, their total goal is to just minimalize everything and make it as light as possible. So with a hammock, you're not getting nearly as light as the hummingbird hammock, um, but you do get a similar style of hammock. I think that they're pretty comparable in terms of their style. And you'll save a little money, too. And in episode 23, we reviewed the Eno Double Nest along with the Atlas straps. And that's definitely a beefier hammock. That's 32 ounces, so two pounds for the hammock and the Atlas straps together. So I feel like the Kamek Wallaby is a really great um I don't want to say middle of the road because it's definitely it leans more toward minimalist and um, uh, but it's, you know, more on the comfortable end, too. So it's kind of it takes the best of both of those hammocks that we just talked about, the, the hummingbird and the Eno, and adds in a few other features that I feel are really relevant to hammockers. As far as maintenance, you'll just want to hand wash it. But if it's not entirely dirty, go ahead and just spot clean it. If you do need to wash the entire hammock, if it's been that wild of a trip and you've gotten it that dirty, then you'll need to remove the carabiners and the slings, which the slings are what make the ends gathered. So just take those out and then wash it in the sink with a little bit of biodegradable soap and then rinse it out, wring it out, and hang it to dry. As far as investment goes, it's $65 for the Kamek Wallaby Hammock and $30 for the Python straps. For trial, I think this hammock's greatest strength is the fabric feel. And it uses that Gravitas fabric, which I don't know exactly what that means, but it feels different than other hammocks. It doesn't have that crinkly feel or that, that instantly cold feel when you touch it. It's just a little more... The best way to describe it is it kind of feels like Play-Doh, has that soft feel and a little bit squishy in the bag. It's just, it's a really nice feeling hammock. The Python straps, which we recommend to go with this hammock, are $30 and they have 18 connection points. They're also made of a reflective material which is so great. Like, I don't think we've ever had a piece of gear that had reflective material on it until we used the Python straps with the hammock. Well, we had also the Big Agnes tent that we oh, reviewed. that's right. Yeah, and that has the reflective material weaved into the guy lines. And it's like, yeah. duh, genius. <laughs> yeah, we love that. I just remembered that. It's so great because when I mean, you hang up your stuff or you set up your tent, you go out to use the bathroom and you're like, oh shoot, where's my camp? And so all you have to do is just whip out your flashlight, kind of wave it around like a wand, and your camp lights up like the 4th of July. It's incredible. I think everything should be reflective in a camp. <laughs> so great. Yeah, that would be interesting to have the entire hammock be reflective. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's just so helpful to have those reflective straps. So you're walking along through the dark and you don't 
decapitate yourself, you know, walking <laughs> past your hammock. Right. It's great. The python straps, they come two to a package, of course, one for each tree, and they weigh about 12 ounces. And they also hold quite a bit. They hold 500 pounds total. I feel like this hammock really is a good mix of the comfort of a larger hammock with the weight reduction and the compactness of a minimalist hammock. For today's backpack hack of the week, we have an improvised hammock shelter for you. So if you brought a hammock on a backpacking trip and you're wondering if your hammock can do double duty, you know, do more than just cradle you gently and rock you to sleep, then this is the perfect hack for you. On many hammocks, you can remove the loops from each of the gathered ends. And now your hammock is one large rectangular piece of fabric. That means you can then turn your hammock into a privacy shelter or a shelter to block the wind. You can also use it as a temporary sunshade or even just a simple tarp shelter, although it won't be waterproof. Most hammocks don't have grommets, so you might have to get creative about how you secure your hammock without damaging the fabric. One way is to add makeshift grommets to your hammock by putting a small smooth stone under one of the corners of the hammock and then tying a knot over the material and the stone is kind of like a, you know, a makeshift grommet. Um, this little improvised hammock shelter hack is just another way to use your hammock on the trail. Say you want a place to change clothes, but you know, the camp is full. You can wrap this around a tree and you have an instant changing room. I think it's just nice to have a huge swath of fabric on the trail and you can come up with probably 50 other ideas for what to do with this improvised hammock shelter. This is a temporary short-term hack. You really shouldn't have your improvised hammock shelter up for too long or it could stress the material. Also, if you keep things out in the sun, a lot of times the sun can do some damage to material. So yeah, it's just like a short-term temporary shelter that you can put up in case you need a short-term temporary shelter. When I was a scout, we did canoe trips where we would uh, put up a, a post in the canoe and, and maybe some outriggers to keep it from tipping over, and then we could turn the canoe into a sailboat. Ooh. And so this would be a, a perfect way to use the hammock yeah. you know, to make it into a sail. That'd be so great. One of the cool things about the wallaby that we just reviewed um, is that it has six of those little straps on it or tabs, which could easily be used to tether your temporary shelter and you wouldn't have to use any rocks or, you know, makeshift grommets. You're right. The tabs are about a foot away from each end of the hammock. So you're not losing much area of your uh, shelter by attaching guidelines right to those tabs. Yeah, and I think I probably should reiterate, this is a temporary shelter. So don't put too much wear and tear on your hammock as you try this hack, or you really could be sleeping on the ground a lot faster than you think. And this may not work on all hammocks. First of all, it's gathered end hammocks, but even some gathered end hammocks have loops that are sewn. And so you would have to actually cut the loop, you know, in order to get your hammock ungathered, like our Yukon Outfitters hammocks. So, I mean, you could cut the strap that hooks it all together, but then you're stuck. I mean, you can't get it back together. Although I would say, you know, that could be a hack that you could prepare at home. You could replace that sewn strap with something that's more like the style that the Kamek Wallaby has, 
So then when you do go out on a trip, now you have something that is removable and, and you can spread that hammock out. That's a great idea. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Paul Theroux. And this is from the Happy Isles of Oceana, Paddling the Pacific. He said, There is an intense but simple thrill in setting off in the morning on a mountain trail, knowing that everything you need is on your back. It is a confidence in having left the inessentials behind and of entering a world of natural beauty that has not been violated, where money has no value and possessions are a dead weight. The person with the fewest possessions is the freest. Thoreau was right. Thoreau quoting Thoreau. Yeah, how about that? That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Okay, usually you say, The Outdoor Retailer Show is a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can do that. It? Okay. So for today's FOP5 list... <laughs> you can keep that or not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would sound better than it really did. It sounded great, but I'm cutting it. <laughs> <laughs>